Hello and welcome to the Petropolis Podcast. I'm your host, Taz. Today's guest is Dr. Rachel Geller. She is a certified cat behaviorist and retention specialist and the author of Saving the World One Cat at a Time. Hello, Dr. Rachel Geller. How are you? Welcome to the Metropolis Podcast. I'm well. Thanks for having me here. I'm very excited to have you. There's a lot happening with animals, animal adoptions, cat adoptions, and um, you are a specialist in cat behavior, correct? That is correct. I'm a certified cat behavior and retention specialist, which means not only do I focus on cat behavior, but keeping them in their homes, working on the behaviors with the cat and the human so the cat is retained by the human and stays in their home. That's the most important thing. Are you seeing, well, let's, let's go with your background first. I really want to talk about your background. Why did you get into this? I have been a cat lover my entire life. I grew up with four cats and two dogs. While I love all animals, I will always say that I always had a very special place for the cats in my heart. And I think I just sort of grew into more of a cat person. I like, I, I think one of the things I just love, love, love about cats is that they really are amazing communicators. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, but cats really use their minds and their bodies together to, to communicate with us. So when we tune into what our cats are telling us, we can really have quite a beautiful relationship with cats. So I grew up as a cat lover. My, um, I love educating, I love teaching, and so I decided to go with field special education, which I worked in um, until I retired a few years ago. And during the, you know, the course of my career, I always volunteered at cat shelters and helped at cat shelters, but my dream was to someday do something more to really help cats. So after I retired, I took a course to become a certified cat behaviorist, and um, I feel like I really found my groove. I'm really in my kick zone, and I've never looked back since. Are there courses available for your average person? I mean, if, if people, right now people are looking for, um, looking to do things they love. I think we're, I think this pandemic has put it, put most of us, many of us, I'm going to talk for myself, um, but a lot of people I speak to, they're looking to connect to another part of community and life that, you know, feel, fulfills their heart and their souls and animals are certainly, um, such an important part of our lives and more and more people want to get into the world of pets would cat behavior and, and helping people retain their cat keeping their cats in their homes is there a course or anything that you can recommend where somebody can go and, and learn about this and on the, do what yeah. you do on the humane society website the humane society of the united states website there are a lot of opportunities to learn more about cat behavior um, and many of them are at no cost. And also there's an organization called Fear Free Shelters. And they also offer a lot of courses on, um, you know, shelters, cats and dogs, but also cat, just cat courses. And most of those are also free as well. So 
people can definitely, while they're, you know, home quarantining and they would like to explore, you know, another aspect of possible career or even just a hobby or a way to become a better I would definitely suggest the Humane Society website and the Fear Free Shelter website. Okay. And on my website, I have all kinds of videos and links that people can watch too to learn more about. You do. You do. definitely do. You do. Right now in the background, two of my cats are fighting. They're being total schmucks. Excuse my language. But they're just having a time. They must know you're, you're on with me. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you for some help with one of my cats. So we're going to use one of my cats as an example. Perfect. He's a total jerk. That's the one he's screaming. He's a total jerk. Old man who hates everybody. Um, and I love him. But... Uh, <laughs> Always how it was, right? Distractions. Oh my God! So, you also wrote a book called "Saving the World One Cat at a Time." Can you tell me what that book is about and um, where people can get it? So, the book is available through my website, which is drrachelcatbehavior.com. It's also available on Amazon. I donate a hundred percent of the proceeds from my book to area cat shelters and many times when I do fundraising events or a consult or webinars for a shelter I'll partner with the shelter and, and say you know whoever buys my book during this window of time I'll, do I'll donate 100% of the proceeds to your shelter. So I really use it as a way to help cats in two ways. You know, one people can read about cat behavior and learn and every time they purchase the book it goes to cat shelters. So That's the book awesome. is kind of what I might call an, an instructional memoir. It talks a little bit about my life and how I got to this point. And then I launch right into how to solve your most common cat behavior problems, litter box issues, cats who are scratching everywhere except for that lovely scratching post you bought them, um, multi-cat households such as yourself where, you know, companion cats may not be getting along that great. And, and so forth. So it's an instructional guide. I let people know it's kind of a bullet point guide and if they need more in-depth help, I do provide my email and contact information and um, encourage people to reach out to me personally. And I help everyone who emails me, I respond, um, do not charge for my services. It's my personal mission that I never wanted to be a financial barrier preventing from people keeping their cats in their homes. So um, the book is just another, for me, it's just another way to reach more people, to help more cats, and just to end the needless suffering and euthanization of cats in shelters. That is so amazing. I wish there were more people like you. Lucky to have you. Um, can we talk about what are the most common problems that, uh, that people have and why they return their pets to the adoption facilities or they dump them or they just throw them back out on the streets? What are the, the most common reasons and how can we help, how can you guide people that are going through these issues, resolve them and get to the next level? I would say the two most common problems that I see that lead to what you're talking about, people just dumping their cats, abandoning them, or returning them to a shelter, litter box aversion, and inappropriate scratching. So cats who don't use the litter box and pee on couches, 
pee on beds or pee on, you know, piles of laundry. People may tolerate that for a while, but um, that can often be a non-starter for a lot of people. And I get it. Cat pee is really, really smelly. It's very difficult to get out. And once the cat has, you know, the slightest ability to smell any leftover cat pee, no matter how well you cleaned it, the cat will have that instinct to refresh the spot. So it's a very difficult problem to solve. It is solvable though. Um, I can go into that yeah. um, in detail. Please. But the I... other problem I see it, um, to answer your first question is um, scratching. And again, that's another thing where if you're a homeowner and your cat is um, a hardcore shredder, and I don't mean snowboarding, mm -hmm. and shredding you know, your couches and your carpet and you're constantly having to buy new carpeting or buy new furniture, that's very difficult for people. And also renters. People will get charged for property damage if they're renting and the cat scratch the, you know, the floors or the walls or um, mm -hmm. any, you know, any part of that apartment. So I think scratching and um, litter box issues um, would be the two biggest reasons I see for people relinquishing a cat. I, mean, I, I would think that scratching would be so easy to resolve. You clip your cat's nails, you make sure you have the right size scratching post, you know, that it's not carpet, because carpet means you're gonna, they're gonna scratch your carpet. If you're giving them something to scratch, like it's something that you already have, yeah. And the right size scratching post and you know, give them activity and clip their nails. I mean, basic grooming. Yes. And I just, are, are people really that disconnected from the cat? Do, one of the issues that I, I see with a lot of new cat owners is that they think that the animal's so independent that they're not required, the human's not required to do anything other than just pour food in a bowl and every few days clean the litter box. So those two factors, I would think, lead to the most, the reason why most animals are returned. The human is the problem here, not the cats. Yes. Well, so starting with the scratching post, so the humans can definitely be the problem. So, and it's not always people's fault. So they go to the store and they see um, this lovely carpet covered scratching post that matches their decor perfectly. And they think this is great. They, so um, carpet covered posts from a cat's point of view are completely useless. They don't fluff off the, the dead sheaths from the claws. They don't condition the claws. Um, the cat's claws can actually get stuck in the loops of the carpet, and that can be very painful. Once your cat uses the post and experiences some type of pain or some type of bad event, that cat will never use that post again. Moreover, I see many posts that are just too short. The scratching post needs to be at least three feet tall, if your cat has to sort of hunch over to use it, she's not going to use it. She needs to get that full stretch. And I'd like to add, I think a lot of people don't realize that there is actually an emotional component to scratching. It releases tension. The cat gives, the cat gives those muscles a good stretch. It releases anxiety. It makes them feel good. And cats not only... Um, mark with urine, which is what most people think about, but they also mark with the olfactory glands in their paws. So you're giving them another form of self-expression 
by using this post that's much more acceptable than peeing about the house. <laughs> so I think a lot of the problem is just not having the right scratching post. And I see a lot of people are great at deterring. You know, they'll cover their couch with something slick or sticky to keep the cat from scratching the post, the mm -hmm. couch. But then they don't do any techniques to redirect the cat to the post. That's so whenever important. you take away something that the cat finds appealing, you always need to provide another alternative that is equally as appealing, maybe even better. And there is not a cat who once she sinks her claws into the right textured, um, the right texture in the scratching post is the right height, it's not going to think this is a way better alternative than the couch. So a lot of time it's just taking your time to distract, but also to redirect. You need to do both things. Um, with the litter boxes, your point is perfect with sometimes it being a human-caused problem. Um, we love covered litter boxes, right? Because we don't have to look at the poop. Cats hate covered littered boxes. Cats feel very vulnerable when they're in their boxes. And if it's covered, they can't see around them. They always want to be aware of any potential invaders or opponents. And I want to point out these opponents can be real or imagined. Right. Even only cats in a household have that need to have clear, clean sight lines when they're in the, in the litter box. So a covered litter box does not provide a complete view around the box. The other thing is covered boxes um, hold in the moisture longer, so the litter stays wet. Um, they're dark. You know, what cat's gonna wanna go into some old dark, dank, damp litter box? It's just not pleasant. So, you know, as humans, we take that privacy concept a little too far, and mm -hmm. we like to make things convenient. We like to use things like plastic liners in the litter box. Yeah. The cats don't like those either. The urine pools in them, they can get their claws stuck on them. So sometimes, as you rightly pointed out, we can be the cause of problems. I know. I just, I just think humans are the cause of most problems, but that's me. <laughs> that, that's a whole down. other Zoom conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it, it drives me crazy. I, mean, I hate selling. I own a pet store, and I hate selling covered litter pans. And then, yeah. They tell me the cat's tall and they want this covered litter pan that's so short. And I'm like, how? I said, well, do you want to hunch when you're going to poop? And, you know, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I really, I always think, tell my customers, think about how comfortable you need to be when you're on the toilet. And also, you know, when you open that toilet lid, you really want to make sure there's nothing in there, you know, like your husband's activities or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, when you put it in that in that way, when I put it that way, they realize, okay, they really need to clean their litter box. My cats won't go. I have four litter boxes because I have four cats, and they each have their favorite one. And if I didn't have four, I, I am sure I would, my home, you know, my apartment would be their litter pan. So Yeah, cats um, are fastidious creatures, and they want, um, they want the box very, very clean. Mm -hmm. And to your point, too, about having the size of the box, you know, the box that you purchased when your cat was a kitten may not work so well now that she's a full-grown cat. So, you know, people do need to look at the size. If you have an older cat who may be arthritic and the box has high size, mm -hmm. that might be 
comfortable for the cat to climb into the box. Right. I've seen these people with these giant Maine Coons, you know, and they have like a tr traditional size litter box. So a lot goes into it, the size of the box, the location of the box, the type of litter you're using. I mean, to the cat, it's a pretty important thing. It's not any old, you know, plastic box and litter we find on sale that we throw together. You know, for the cat, it's very important. What about smells? What about scented litters? How does that affect the cats? So a lot of cats in general, some cats, you know, just like people, right? We all have our preferences. So some cats are okay with scented and perfumey litters. Some cats are okay with litters who have, that have, may have additives in them. But if you do have a cat who's new, not using the box, that's something to look at. Because many cats do prefer a soft, sandy, unscented texture, much like they would find outdoors. So the outdoors isn't really, you know, perfumed. So that's mm -hmm. not going to feel natural to the cat. So, you know, that can be something that you can look at. And even the texture of the litter, you know, some cats prefer if the bits are a little bigger, some kids, cat, cats like them smaller. It's all very personal preference. And, and cats are very tactile animals. Their paws are sensitive. And, you know, it's just like, again, it's just like people. Some of us are more sensitive than others. Our skin is more sensitive than others. But those are places that you can look at and see what you're using if you have a cat who isn't using the box. Even the location. I mean, sometimes I find that people have the box on the same wall as where the door is into the room. So the cat can't look out the door and see into the hallway. And the cat feels if the enemy comes in one way, she has no means of escape. So sometimes putting the box on the opposite wall of the doorway, sometimes even just sliding the box out like a foot from a, a wall can increase the cat's security enough that she'll venture into the box. So there's all kinds of things we can look at to get the cat to use the box. And most of them aren't that complicated. It's just learning what a cat prefers or what works in the cat's world and not our world. So what if the cat has already started urinating or defecating outside of the box? What is the next thing the pet owner should do? I just, you know, if they've been urinating on the bed, what should we be looking at? Are we looking at, hey, do, is there a new person in the, in the in new relationship that's kind of come about, someone new coming in? Are those factors that we, we have to consider um, that you know most humans are ignorant to? They just think our cats will adjust. So what are the factors that we should be looking at? And then what do we do? How do we clean the area so they don't go back there? What do we do to stop them from going back there? So cats are very highly reactive to stress and to change, even to ones that may seem minor to us. Um, new furniture, you know, a new, even rearranging your furniture. So really? definitely, you know, yeah. So they're very reactive. Your cat's perfect world would be if, you know, every day you woke up and did everything exactly the same at the same time. You never left the house. You stuck on your schedule. No one ever came in. No one ever came out be like your cat's perfect world. So they're very reactive to any type of, of change. And like I said, even ones that to us we would think are very minor. So if your cat, if this is like a new behavior and your cat has suddenly stopped using the box, definitely kind of, you know, be a little bit of a Sherlock Holmes and think about what's happening or changing in your home 
that might be causing your cat some stress. But if everything has stayed the same and your cat is um, suddenly not using the box, the next thing I would say is rule out anything medical. So there are many medical conditions that can cause a cat to not use the box. Um, a common one is a urinary tract infection, but even things like hyperthyroidism, kidney issues, bladder issues. Any time a cat has pain in the box, she will then associate the pain with the box and think that if she avoids the box, she'll avoid the pain. Mm -hmm. So rule out something medical. So then, all right, so, so we figured out, okay, maybe there haven't been any big changes. Your Can cat, I just um, jump in on that? Because please. ruling anything, and that's not just for urination, it's for diarrhea or defecation as well, because if the cat is ha having irritable bowel disorders and, you know, you can't tell when they're eating, they're devouring their food, they have loose stools, you're not looking in the litter box, you're not positive that they're having loose stools, but they can associate the pain from defecation as well. So absolutely. Yeah, it goes absolutely. With the and if well. they have pain when they pee, they may pee and poop out of the box and the other way around. So right. yeah, so definitely rule out anything medical, no matter what your inappropriate elimination problem is. That's a good point. And then, so then you want to start looking at, you know, the different factors of your box. You know, you want to look at the location. You want to look at um, the litter you're using. You want to look at the the relationships between companion cats. And you also want to make sure that you really thoroughly clean the area where the cat went within an inch of its life. And um, <laughs> because if there's like a molecule of urine odor left, the cat's going to refresh that spot. So um, I recommend a product that says right on the label that it's enzymatic. You want to use a product specifically made to break down those urine molecules and make so the products that say enzymatic cleaners mm -hmm. are the ones that do that most effectively. After that, I suggest after you've cleaned it and the area is dry, then spray that area with um, a synthetic friendly pheromone, such as Feel Away or Comfort Zone. There are many different brands. But that tricks the cat into thinking that he's already marked the area. Um, it's a friendly, calm area. And it will help the cat avoid that area to pee in again. Your, your um, question about when, when the cat's peeing on the bed, that's a good thing to look at too. If your cat is peeing on beds, couches, things that are elevated, Mm -hmm. So that's a clue for me as a cat behaviorist. That's a clue that wherever that litter box is must not be providing enough um, clear, clean sight lines around the box. So the cat, a cat who seeks elevation is seeking a safer place to go. So that, you know, we can use that information to figure out what is missing in the cat's life um, where the litter box is. And typically cats that go up to pee are, are not going into the litter boxes because um, they don't feel safe enough in there. So that's a good clue. Um, just remember, you know, your cat wants to use the box. Cats are very clean, fastidious creatures. They want to use the box. So if they're not using the box, something or someone or some other cat is preventing them from doing so. Great information. I love the fact that 
if they're going up high, they are looking for, I mean, they have something specific they're looking for. That's a great clue. And um, I think a lot of people will take, take, take that away and go back and revisit how their uh, litter pans are set up. Exactly. I mean, there's so many things that is clues. If your cat is going only on hard surfaces, then that's a clue that the litter might be bothering his paws. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of, you know, questions that I ask. Somebody presents me with this case and really think about, well, what, what is the cat choosing as the alternative? And then take it from there. That's interesting. One of my cats is a Norwegian forest cat. And whenever his uh, puffer grows, he doesn't want to go in the litter box. So he'd rather go on a weeby pad. He slips in the litter pan. So as soon as, and I have a pee pee pad for him also, so he can choose where he goes. And I look at his paws constantly. But every two weeks, I'm shaving his paws. <laughs> I mean, he and I are paw shaving every two weeks. But there's no choice. That's how he needs to be cared for. And I right. took him on as a senior. I adopted him as a senior. And, you know, he came in with a load of things that I had to adjust my life and my environment to. So he's taught me. I watch him. I respond to what his needs are. And... That's the way it is. I took on that responsibility. <laughs> and, and that's a great story that, you know, that's sometimes it can be the cat's own fur. Like long-haired cat may, have a, may get into trouble in their pantaloon area mm -hmm. with, you know, things getting stuck. So you were right. To, you know, these are all the things we need to look at. And typically, you know, we can resolve these types of problems by making you know, modifications that aren't really that difficult to do. It's just a matter of really thinking about it, what the cat's, why the cat's not using the box, where the box is, where does the cat choose to go, and then taking it from there. Sometimes I'll say to people, you know, if we really can't put a finger on it, just to put down a whole bunch of boxes. And while most people don't love the idea of having, you know, a house full of litter boxes, it gives you the opportunity to see which ones she wants to use, and then you can remove the ones she didn't. So right. sometimes it can just be a little bit of trial and error. And we, we owe it to them. Instead we of do. dumping them or taking them back to the shelter we adopted them from. We are their stewards, and that's our role when we take on a cat. I agree a million percent. Absolutely. So I had a client come in um, a few days ago and they were concerned. They realized they, they're going back with, with the quarantine. Both owners were working from home for a long period since March. And both of them are now going back to their offices on a part-time basis. And they saw that their cats, both their cats are reacting. Um, and they were concerned and they, they both said, do cats have separation anxiety? So I definitely want you to talk about that because I'm seeing more and more behavioral questions coming up with my clients, my cat clients during the pandemic. And again, it's going out of the box or hiding more, um, not wanting to eat, almost like they're depressed and my own cat yawning a lot. I noticed one of my cats constantly yawning the first couple of weeks I was at home more than at work. So those 
is, is this real or are we just imagining things? This, this is very real. So, and it's real on both ends. So when COVID-19 first hit and everybody was locked down, I had um, a lot of people who were calling me for cat behavior because their cats were very stressed. So all of a sudden, you know, I was talking before about how cats are very reactive to change. All of a sudden, you're home. And I just want to dispel the myth. It's not, your cat wasn't upset because they're these very independent creatures and they don't want you around. It's the changes. It's the, le the loss of predictability. That's what upsets the cat. Um, so think about what might have happened in the pandemic for a lot of people. They're home all day. Maybe their adult children who were at college are now home. Maybe older relatives are now home. So the house might be suddenly filled with people that weren't there before. So the sound patterns are different. The light patterns are different. The feeding schedule might be different. Even what the cat is being fed could be different. You know, maybe some teenager is feeding the cat some table scraps that the cat shouldn't be fed. So there's all kinds of changes that are happening in this cat's world and unlike us the cat had no advance warning this was going to happen one day he wakes up and his world is turned upside down so for a cat this is very scary so um so there's that reality and it is real that when the pandemic hit and all of our lives became very different many of these cats reacted to that stress then on the flip side so maybe your cat is finally getting used to the situation and now we're returning to the office. So yes, <laughs> cats definitely have separation anxiety. Um, and I'll run through a few things that we can do to, to work on. But um, this is very, a very real thing. They've gotten used to having you around. They adapted to having you there and they've, most likely you were giving your cat, since you happened to be home, a lot more attention than you would be if you were not. So all of these, all of those factors into the cat um, experiencing what we would call separation anxiety. So what can we do to prevent separation anxiety? If you're fortunate enough to know a couple of weeks ahead of time that you are returning to work, the time to start working with your cat is now. So start leaving the house for short periods of time and working up. So if I know in two weeks, I'm going back to the office, start now leaving the house for maybe 15 or 20 minutes a day, then build up to you know an hour, build up to a couple hours and so forth. And if there are triggers that upset your cat, like your purse or your car keys, carry those around the house a little bit so your cat gets used to the noise. The other thing you can do is when you're away, think of creating signs of life at home, even though you're not there. And you can do that by leaving your lights on timers, leaving a radio playing softly. Some cats like those um, videos on TV that have wildlife in them. So do things so your house doesn't seem suddenly, you know, very, very quiet. Yeah. right from what it was the other thing is you want to provide your cat with some things to do so stimulation stimulation so cats who have their mind active and focused on trying to accomplish things are focusing on their own tension and anxiety 
So interactive activity puzzle feeders, interactive toys, toys where they have to do something. Um, those solo toys that you throw out on the floor, that's mm -hmm. not what I mean. Toys that they have to accomplish some type of task. And for people who don't want to spend a lot of money. And I Do they also that. need to get a reward out of it other than just the accomplishing a task? Should they be getting a treat out of it? Because a lot of people are also, during the pandemic, have also been overfeeding their pets. So we're getting some chunky monkeys out <laughs> there. Um, I mean, I'm getting, my cat kind of gained some weight. <laughs> oh, okay. So. Yeah, that's why I like the uh, interactive activity puzzle feeders. Because the cat has to, you know, play with the toy and do something. And it doles out the treat intermittently so that I like that type of, of toy that the cat has to and it's again it would represent more of what they would do if they were living outside they would have to work to get their food the other idea I, that I give to people who don't want to spend a ton of money on toys is um, take a few bowls four or five bowls um, fill just a little little bit of food in each bowl there's a teeny bit of dry food in each bowl or wet food, whatever, whatever your cat prefers, and hide them about your house. And this way your cat has to go on a fun expedition to find her food. And that's mm -hmm. another way to keep her entertained as well. And last, you just want to really make sure you build up confidence in your cat. And the best way you can do that is by doing something that I call interactive play therapy. And what I mean by that is you're going to play with your cat with a fish pole type toy you're going to make sure during the game you're giving your cat multiple captures so some people think the whole idea of play is how long you can keep like that toy away from the cat <laughs> it's really in terms of building confidence how many captures the has so get the fishing pole toy play with your cat so you're part of the game your cat will enjoy this better during the game give your cat multiple captures and after about 10 minutes you don't want to just, you know, look at your watch and go, oh, well, you look at the time. Game's over. What you want to do now is slowly, slowly wind down the game. Think about as if there was a really prey. The prey gets tired. The prey gets injured. The prey dies. Slowly down and let your cat have one last final really good capture. And now is a great time to give your cat a treat because now this simulates the feast after the hunt. And when your cat gets that treat after a successful capture on this, you know, hunting expedition, he is now going to feel, you know, queen of his cat, queen of, his, queen of her territory and king of his castle and all that type of stuff. She's going to feel really, really good about herself. So games like this that build confidence and happiness in a cat will help with your home, but they'll also help your not home. So you wouldn't recommend, when we talk about captures, those are, that's so important for the cats to have the multiple captures. A lot of people like to use the laser toys. I do not, I mean, I always think the laser toys just cause agitation for animals. Not a fan. What do you think of those? So I think uh, laser pointers were developed to be used during PowerPoint presentations in the office, and that's where they should stay. <laughs> so, so think about don't use your, them for your cats. Don't use them for your cats. And and think about um, so I just talked about the importance of the cat 
creating the capture and feeling that physical, tangible sensation between his paws or in his teeth. That's very, very important for a cat. Um, and compare that with the laser pointer. So how frustrating this is for a cat. He sees the red dot and certain of a catch, because it's right in, his, right in his vision, he pounces only to find there's nothing there. He never gets the capture. Um, it's frustrating. The dot can never be captured. It causes so much tension and anxiety in cats. Um, I really wish pet supply stores did not sell these because I see so many behavior problems that are actually created by laser pointers. But your cat is just pointlessly chasing this dot that can never be captured. Um, it's it, the main idea of playing with your cat is the capture. It's the captures that create the positive associations. It's the captures that release those feel good chemicals in the cat's brain. It's the captures that create a bond with you and the cat. It's the captures that build confidence. The laser pointer doesn't provide any capture. So the cat is just continually being frustrated and feeling a lot of tension and anxiety. And these are the cats who, the next time you're walking across the living room, he goes after your ankles and bites into them because that's the only stimulating and rewarding thing he has in his life. So yeah, no laser pointers. So I learned that when one of my first cats, I have two cats at the time, um, my ex-husband was playing with the laser and, um, and the cat was just going nuts. He was a kitten. And when he couldn't grab, he couldn't do the capture, he actually went for the other cat and aggressively, I mean, just knocked him down, started screeching. And I said, that's just not normal. That's the, they doesn't do that. Even though they were both new adoptions for me, they were a year apart. I just said, there's something wrong. And I was getting annoyed watching the, you know, laser light. I was getting pissed and uh, saw the cat's agitation. The ears went back, the tail would go down. The body composition completely changed from when he was playing with the laser versus the fishing pole. Completely different type of cat. So you could see the angst. I felt so bad for him. And this is where it's so important for pet owners, for cat owners to really watch their pets and connect with what brings them joy versus what frustrates them. Because that frustration will lead to other things. Um, and that's cat it on does. cat. Yeah, cat on cat or cat on ankle uh, issues. So yeah. talking about cat on cat problems, how do we break up cat fights? And, and our cat fights, um, you know, you have two cats, everything's going okay. And all of a sudden, you know, one's getting agitated. Is it male on male mostly, female on female? Or it, does that matter? Do, does, do the sexes matter? Especially since, you know, majority of cats are neutered or, or spayed. Does that matter? Or what causes those kinds of, what, what should we be looking out for? And how do we handle situations? Where they're so the, battling. So first of all, if your cats are having a fight, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I want to be really clear, never try to break up a cat fight. If they're fighting, you know, um, claim a couple of covers of 
you know, pots and pans together, throw something, make a loud noise, do something like that to distract them. You never want to get in between two fighting kids because typically they are in a highly reactive state. But to your question, the main reason cats fight, companion cats fight, is um, competition for resources, um, status in the household, and territory. So if you can do things to limit that need to compete for resources, meaning have multiple litter boxes, my, my general rule of thumb is to always have one more box than you have cats. So you have two cats, have three boxes. That's just the safest way to go. If you have one cat, have two boxes. Um, I, I just find that limiting that competition really helps. You know, more than one feeding station, more than one water bowl. Um, also using vertical space. So we tend to think of our world horizontally, but cats look at their world vertically. They can jump many up many times their, their size. Um, they're, they're capable of jumping up very high. And they use vertical space as a way to show their status. So if you have plenty of vertical space, cat trees, cat perches, things with multiple tiers on them, the higher status cat can go sit on the highest level, the lower status cats can sit on the lower level and they can use vertical space to work this out rather than fighting. Now, if you live in a smaller place and you can't really have cat trees or cat perches all over the place because they, they can be rather bulky, you, yeah, I always tell people, look around their room. Chances are there is some shelving that is going unused that can be repurposed. Back to pouches, tops of bureaus, these are all things you can put a cozy towel on or a little cat bed on and you know repurpose into vertical space. So providing lots of vertical space for your cats will really help with the you know infighting in the in the household. You can also do things with food to help your cats get along better. So food is really motivating for a cat. And so if you can save a super duper yummy treat that you know your cat goes crazy for and only feed them this yummy treat when they're pretty close together, each cat is gonna think, you know, I've been noticing whenever that other cat is nearby, I get these delicious treats. Maybe he's not that bad after all. So sometimes using food is a motivating factor and just saving that one thing you know, we all have, we all have our cats who have that one thing they go crazy for. Mm -hmm. Save it for when the cats are close together. And what you can even do is, if the cats typically can eat the treat within six feet of each other without you know, growling or fur flying, do that. And then you can start gradually moving it closer. After a few days, put the yummy treats five feet apart. And if that's going okay, after a few days, move the treats you know, four feet apart. And basically what we're doing is sensitizing the cats to each other. So when they do something often enough and learn that being near the other cat has no effect on them or no consequence, they are going to stop reacting to that over time. That's great advice. Oh God, give them yummy treats near each other. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay, vertical space, yummy treats near each other. And, and limit the competition for resources. Limit the competition for resources. Got it. Vertical space, I love that. New York City apartments are kind of hard, but they're, they sell all these great shelves that you can put up. Exactly. Instead of pictures, put the shelves up so the cats can jump up. You really can put little walkways on your walls and they won't, you know, take up any of your space, mm -hmm. but it's a great way to expand a cat's space. And you'd be surprised. You can live in a little studio, but if you have, if you get creative with the vertical space, your cat will be very, very happy. That's all she needs. Tell me about catnip. Should we, shouldn't we? Percentage of cats love it. Now there's all these other stuff. Catnip, how does it affect a cat? How does, how does it affect their behavior? If they're already having problems, can it exacerbate it? Let's talk about catnip. Let's talk about catnip. So, <laughs> have you talked to your cat about her catnip problem? So, I have um, one with a problem, yes. <laughs> so if your cat, first of all, I just want to um, state that it is safe. It's, it's, it's perfectly safe for, for cats, for most cats. Um, you know, if your cat has a particular allergy to it, but most cats it's safe. So if you have a cat who does respond to catnip, you can actually use that to your benefit. So going back to the beginning when we were talking about scratching posts, rubbing a little catnip on a scratching post can be a great way to entice a cat over to that post. I often hear people say, you know, my cat doesn't like to play. I think a lot of times it's because they're not really playing properly with the cat, but if they want a little help, they can rub a little catnip on the toy at the end of the fishing pole type toy, and that can kind of help get the cat going with the play. So there are ways that we can actually use catnip to our benefit. If your cat enjoys it, there's no reason, you know, not to put it out every once in a while. Some cats like that cat grass as well. That's fine too. You know, if you have a cat that gets overly reactive to it and overly stimulated, then of course, don't use it. Just like if you had a child who got overly stimulated by eating too much chocolate or sugar, you would limit that. So the same rule applies. If, you know, we're all different. Again, we, you know, we all have different sensitivities and we all react differently. So if your cat is having a negative reaction or he seems like he's getting overly stimulated and then maybe taking it out on another cat or you, then catnip may not be the, the best. But if you have a cat who enjoys it, who tolerates it, and you can use it to some, for some of the behavior modification, that, that can be a really good tool. Um, I have a, I'm gonna ask your advice because you know, when it comes to my own animals, I know nothing um, for myself. I have a cat who, whenever I'm working, wants to go open every single cabinet in my kitchen. She's, I was gonna say she's the love of my life, but they all are, so it doesn't matter. Um, and she's horrible, she's such a jerk. She wants to open every cabinet, and then she wants to go in and pull everything out. And when I go to stop her, she just gives me this cute little look and meows, rubs against me and just sits there. So I don't know what that means. I mean, I have been trying to figure out what that means forever. What does that mean? Well, she's probably just looking for something to, you know, to amuse herself, something to play with. <laughs> she's definitely not doing it 
to, you know, be mean to you or to cause you any stress. So many people will say to me, you know, my cat's trying to doing, my cat's doing this on purpose. She knows I don't like it. So. No, no, I don't see it that way. It's just like, you know, why do you do it when I'm you know, on a Zoom call with an <laughs> amazing cat behaviorist? She was just opening up. She literally opened three cabinets. And that is sat, pretty funny. It's so here's, here's what we can try when we're not on the Zoom call. So I like, I do always like to try to retrain cats to use um, positive methods as opposed to negative methods. So when you use, when you do something positive, your cat has a reason to change her behavior because she's getting something positive when she does this behavior. Um, so that's all, to me, it's always a better way to go. So the next time you're, you're home and your cat, you know, decides to go on an archeological dig in your cabinet, I want you to employ something I call distract redirection. So what this is, is when you see your cat doing something you don't want it to do, and this can be anything. It can be going after another cat. It can be knocking something off on the table. It can be the cabinet thing. What you want to do is distract your cat with a toy. Um, something that makes noise is good, like a crinkly, mylar ball or you know if you if the cat has a favorite toy like yep. i always recommend for this method um a toy called the cat dancer oh yeah. i don't know we if have, you're familiar with the, yeah, the cat dancer <laughs> yeah. toy so mm -hmm. for training a cat this is one terrific toy mm -hmm. because they're very teeny tiny you literally can curl them up and stash them anywhere right. have them all over your house you can put them under a couch cushion you know you can put them between things and this is good because when we when we retrain your cat using distraction and redirection you want to catch a cat in the act so you don't want to start running through the house trying to find a toy when we do this technique so i love the cat dancer for this because you can have them everywhere so That's you true. see your cat about to do the cabinet thing distract her with a toy cat dancer is great as soon as you distract your cat with the toy you shift that cat out of that, you know, maybe um, anxious mode, trying to figure out what she wants mode, not sure what she wants to do mode. You shift her out of a mode that's not as wonderful into the hunter mode. For a cat, being in that hunter mode is very positive. So you're shifting your cat out of something negative into something positive. And once you trigger that cat's prey drive, a cat would way rather go after the prey and get a capture than pointlessly rifle through your cabinets and not get much for it, <laughs> except aggravating you. So distract your cat with a toy, mm -hmm. redirect the cat to the toy, and then conduct a little impromptu interactive play session like I described before. A few captures, one last super duper great capture with a treat, um, this now puts that cat into that natural hunt, eat, mm -hmm. contented sleep cycle. Right, and so right, now you right. calm down your cat. You, so your cat is happy. Your cat feels good. You're happy. Your house isn't a mess. Everybody wins. That's a win-win for sure. That's a win-win. And that's, this method works with consistency because it is a positive way of retraining your cat. She eventually will stop going into your cabinets because she's getting playtime, mm -hmm. attention from you, treats when she does not do that. Got it.
Will do. You know, her favorite toy is, um, you know, the, the clear picture hanging wires that are clear. I have, I have those everywhere. I have them in 20 feet. I have them in eight feet. And she looks for me to take that out. And I haven't been doing that when she opens the cabinets or even tries to go into the dishwasher. So I'm going to try this. Definitely yeah, it's win -win. really a great training tool. And as I said, it's very positive for the cat. So, you know, if you yell at your cat or, you know, use a spray bar advocate, those may work in the moment. But Wait, you're, not you're breaking up. I'm sorry. You use a spray bottle, which you don't advocate. I do not advocate. So I know often people, when they have bad behavior, they'll yell at the cat to get the cat to stop. Or they will use a spray bottle um, to get the cat to stop. And these methods may work in the moment, mm -hmm. but they're not going to retrain your cat. They're not going to get the, the problem solved. They're not going to get your cat to stop behavior and do another behavior instead. So they're really not effective as retraining. I don't advocate using a spray bottle because basically all you're going to do is get a wet cat who's going to look for the next opportunity to sneak and try to do it again, and it, it can harm your relationship. Try to come up with techniques that are positive or deterrents that aren't attached to you so the cat doesn't think you had anything to do with it. How does that explain that? How do you use a deterrent where the cat doesn't think we're attached to it? So for example, say your cat, say your cat is jumping up on the counter and you don't want the cat there. Mm -hmm. This is not my home, by the way. <laughs> I'm fine with it. But for some people, it's a very big deal. They don't want mm -hmm. the cat. And I understand that. And especially as a cat behaviorist, I mm -hmm. want to solve this problem. So if every time the cat jumps up on the counter, you're screaming at the cat, you're spraying the cat, again, the cat's just gonna wait for his next opportunity to do that when you're not looking because it's natural behavior for the cat to wanna to jump up on things. So instead, what I would say is you wanna set up deterrence. Um, and there are many different ways you can do this. One way I suggest often is to um, put something slick or sticky on your counter. So when your cat jumps up, the, the surface is not very appealing. And on his own, he's gonna say, you know, this, is, this isn't a great place to jump up. I'm not gonna jump up here anymore. It's really sticky up here. So like or, a two-sided tape that they sell to stop Double-sided tape. I think there's a product called Sticky Paws, anything right. like that. Right, so he's gonna come to his own conclusion that this isn't a great place to be. Another idea is if you don't wanna, you know, go buy sticky tape, you can, fill up old water bottles or soda cans with pennies, line the counter with that. When the cat jumps up and the, the bottle falls with the pennies, it's gonna startle the cat. You have nothing to do with it. In fact, this is gonna work whether you're home or not. And again, the cat will come to her own conclusion that this isn't a great place to be. So that to me, you know, is a better way to retrain or deter a cat. Use either, use positive methods, and deterrence that aren't tied to you. Got it. And those the, are my two the, rules. The bottles should be plastic, people. Please don't plastic, use glass. Yes. We don't want to yes. injure the kitty. And you don't have to fill it with coins. It could just be enough where they can knock it over easily. And lighter, the better, actually, often. Just exactly. that noise and that impact. That um, Exactly. Make sure the covers are screwed on tight. 
<laughs> that makes sense. What yeah. about <laughs> what about the X mat um, that has those hard, you know, that has those hard edges, those hard nubs? I mean, they hurt. I sat on one by mistake, um, so I wasn't paying attention, and it hurt my rear. So. I can imagine what it does to a cat's sensitive paws when they jump up there. So can yeah. those be used? I mean, that can be used Me. if you have a, you know, if you have a cat who's, who's, who is, a, you know, a hardcore going after whatever it is that you don't want them to do. You know, that product does work mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't permanently harm the cat. So okay. it, it gets the point across. Um, yeah. So I, I, I mean, to me, all of those options are fine. I would rather somebody use the X mat than to dump their cash. Oh God, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we have to replace that because they're jumping on that space because they like to be high. They, they're looking for something to do. So we have to replace that with something positive that they can do. We can't just stop them from doing everything and have them be sitting in this home with four walls staring at themselves. Right, exactly. So yeah. we don't want, because animals become depressed too. Um, you know, it's like, if, if I don't have any ping pong balls out for my, my uh, there we go, that's my cat who just opened up a cabinet. Um, if I don't have any ping pong balls out for one of my cats who opens the cabinets, she gets mad and she goes looking for ping pong balls. She has exactly. to have them so she can bounce them. Yeah. So what are some things that you can advise people to use for when they're not home and they can, um, the cats can occupy themselves with and have fun with? Yeah. And it's exactly what you're, what you're saying is, I think I started out saying this, that whenever you take something away, it's very important to provide equally appealing alternative. So, you know, if the cat, and sometimes you kind of look at why things are happening. If the cat is jumping up on the counter, is it because he wants to be high? Then in that case, you need to provide some other vertical space. Is the cat jumping up on the counter because you're making dinner and you're not always cleaning up quickly after yourself, or then not to sound like your mother, but clean up a little quicker and that will solve that problem. Is the cat jumping up high because of a bad relationship with another um, companion cat in the household? So sometimes you have to look and see why things are happening. But let's say we've solved the problem and now we wanna make sure the cat has other things to do. Yeah, so like I'm a big fan of those, of interactive activity toys where cats have to play with something and things move, um, little mice that are battery operated, mm -hmm. um, toys that you, you know, might be um, shaped like an octagon. So they kind of move in a herky-jerky motion and they provide a little more enticement um, interest to a cat. But again, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You can do things like put a ball in a tissue box, you know, things mm -hmm. like that to keep your cat interested. I love the idea, instead of just feeding your cat, you know, when you're not home, placing little bits of food, hiding them, you know, not too well, but hide them in interesting spots around the house. And then your cat has to go looking for his food, which keeps him occupied and interested. So things like that to give your cat some activity um, during the day, especially, you know, when we're out all day working and if your cat's just sleeping all day, and then when we come home, you know, we want to sort of unwind, mm -hmm. but then some people have the problem that now their cat is just getting revved up. So it's good to give your cat something to do during the day. And, you know, some cats even do like those, um, 
videos that show cats walking around or um, the birds you know, other animals. Yeah. I mean, in my particular home, I have a lot of big windows. So I have cat trees and perches in front of the windows. That is a great way to keep your cat stimulated, occupied, and using his brain in a way to focus on something. But if you don't have that, you can use um, videos on your TV, you know, on your laptop, and a lot of cats like that as well. That's true. That's true. Okay. I even have I even have on the backs of my chairs shoelaces that they tie to the back of the chair. So when <laughs> I'm not home, they just have to touch it a little bit. It swings back and forth, and they have a game. So you don't have to spend a lot of money, you know, getting all these fancy things. You can get creative and make something. Your cat will be just as happy. Yeah, I wrap crumpled paper with shoelaces, um, and I hang it over my kitchen counter <laughs> yeah. before I leave. Really, I have to. Otherwise, I come home and they'll, you know, I feel like I'm going to get eaten by cats. I'm That's kidding. not a good. We want to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Any uh, words of wisdom for people that just are at their wit's end with their cats and they think they've tried it all? Should they just contact you? <laughs> yes, please. If you are at your wit's end and you feel like you've tried everything, I get many people who, you know, they look things up on the internet and there's not always great information and they feel like they've tried everything. And um, I am always happy to help anybody who wants to reach out. I have a submission form on my website. Um, I have videos on my website so people can go there at, um, drrachelhappyhavior.com and kind of tool around, submit a question if you have one. But um, I think in general, if you have a cat who um, is, is engaging in behaviors that you're finding unacceptable, I think the main thing to remember is that the best way to solve it is to look at it from the cat's perspective and think about the cat's world and not what fits so much into our world. That's great words of wisdom. Great words of wisdom. And make sure you take the cat to the vet for a full checkup before you blame everything on behavioral issues. See if, make sure there's no medical disorders. And then call Dr. Rachel Keller and yeah. get some I mean, help. You would be surprised how many times, you know, I'll say to a client, have you ruled out any medical, anything medical? And, they're, and they insist it's behavioral. And then it comes back, something was going on that was causing the cat pain or was causing the cat to feel vulnerable. You know, if a cat is ill in any way, shape or form and the cat can tell that she's ill, she won't do, she won't go into her litter box because she's going to feel too vulnerable going. And, you know, if you have a cat who suddenly has a behavior change and it really came on overnight, to me, that is something that's worth exploring with your veterinarian. And, um, I'm also, I'm also on board with using products to help calm cats to like the, the comfort zone or the feel away. I think um, for some cats that can be really helpful. Okay. Um, with a lot of people, unfortunately, don't take their cats to, to, to for regular veterinary checkups. And um, this is one thing that, that has come up over and over again over the years. Uh, yowling overnight and a lot of people you know relay that to being a behavioral issue and i always direct them to the vet because it, 
most of the time it's been indicative of uh, hyperthyroidism. They forget, you know, they, they see their cats eating nonstop. They're fine with eating. They're not putting on weight. It's the early, it's early in the disease and they're yowling and they, the owner can't sleep. And I know several people who want to give up their cats for doing that. And the vet visit was so important. Unfortunately, the vet, you know, when the thyroid, if they don't do the free T4 test, that you don't see, doesn't always show that the thyroid levels are elevated. So I would love for vets to like be a little bit more aggressive as well. I don't know, these folks, you know, didn't tell the vet what was going on. Share it with your doctor. Let him know that the animals are having behavioral issues and what those are, because it'll clue the vet in to you know, what tests they should perform. Absolutely. You know, and I, I had it. clients say to me, um, you'll be willing talk to my vet. And, and I am. I'm fine with kind of go, doing a rundown with the veterinarian. I work closely with vets all the time. Um, and I do think it makes sense. And I think also educating, I mean, a yearly, at least once a year vet visit is critically important to the health of the cat. And I understand that, you know, often there might be financial issues. And I think what, a lot of what I do also is point to people to places like Care Credit mm -hmm. and um, Red Rover and other organizations that will provide financial assistance. Right. Humane yeah. Society in New York City has low-cost vet clinics. Biden yes. has low-cost vet clinics. Yeah. So yeah, there's, they're available. It's just for some reason people become debilitated. They get stuck and you, know, you can Google all you want, but if you don't know what you're looking for, um, you're not going to get an answer. Right. So, it's always best to consult a professional for the medical stuff, you know, contact your vet, behavioral stuff, contact your cat behaviorist, and, you know, really get that guidance that will help point you in the right direction and put you back on that path of a harmonious relationship with your cat. Thank you very much for the time you spent with me today. It was awesome, informative, and I will have all your information posted on the show notes, um, your book, the link to your book, and uh, your site. Anything else you want to you let our cat people know? Just, you know, lavish love and attention on your cat. You'll always be richly rewarded. And um, enjoy your cat for the, you know, special sentient being that she is. And... I think that opening up your heart to a cat is, you know, one of the greatest gifts there is. So I would recommend if you're watching this and you are a cat person, you know, you already know this, maybe go adopt a cat. And if you're not a cat person, give it a try. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that the myth of cats being, you know, aloof and independent, I think are, are too bad. Um, cats are independent hunters, but they are not independent beings. They want to be loved and cuddled and snuggle and be with you as much as possible.